Welcome back. It's been a very long time since all the way back in October when we gave you that sweet, sweet Kojak tippy tap that you've heard just these two beautiful voices, your two co-hosts, talking to you about these wonderful side adventures, Murray. Well, this is a this is for our, our court-ordered community service. We're doing this as a, as a PSA. To all the parents out there. Uh, don't want me into your troubles here. This is obvious one that's cutting real close to the Murray bone. The Murray marrow, if you will. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to Tippy, if you're a real fan, you listen to the Tippy Taps. And if you listen to the Tippy Taps, you know that I have a fascination, because I grew up in the 80s, with the Satanic Panic and the Dangers of Punk Rock episodes. We've done a few before. We did the Chips episode. Oh. We did the Satanic Panic Chip episode. That's right. Yeah. So we always got our eyes peeled on those because, of course, Murray lived this life. And you know, <laughs> you had to go through all the adults telling you, son, maybe you should change your ways because what you're into right now is leading you down a dirty, dirty path. Not at all. My uh, mama didn't care, give a shit less if I listened to punk. Wow. Well... Murray, of course, we're gonna have. I mean, that. we we well, we make we actually mentioned it in our RoboCop episode, the dangers of punk rockers, and how the reality of punk rock, at least in America, I can't speak on like England or whatever, but punk in America was basically the, the domain of middle class, upper middle class suburban kids, and especially during the '80s, it was like yeah. the suburbs were live and well. At Even that the time. bands were like. Well, to do. I mean, like Ian McKay and Kenny Rollins didn't grow up poor. Or anything. No, they definitely did not, and they won't and lie I, to you. I, up, they won't lie to you about yeah, that either. And so, yeah, it was, and it makes sense because I mean, the the working class poor listen to metal basically, and that makes sense when you think about it because the whole premise of a lot of metal at the time was either partying, fucking, or Dungeon and Dragon shit, like escapism, like escapism. escaping your shitty life. Yeah, hundred percent. While the punk kids like had pretty good fucking lives, right? So they it was just angst. It was just like my mom doesn't understand me because I I'm gonna dye my hair purple. Uh, yeah, it could have been about that kind of shit. It's often political shit. You know, you always hear Joe Bafra going on about Diane Fuckstein. You know, I, you know, Nardwar, right? So yeah. I've that went down, goof. Yeah, I went down a rabbit hole of his shit because he interviews a lot of people yeah. I like. And he's like, Jellabia, I like, like, 
Dead Kennedys, but God, talk about a guy who loves the sound of his own voice, Joe Alfra. Oh man, this goes on and on. He's the only—he's one of those guys that has to let you know everything he knows. Yeah, yeah. You know all these obsc- obscure minutia. Jello, uh, you know, you often talk about people you'd like to talk to at a bar. You know that whole saying. Jello is not one of those people. No, I, I, I think he his mind's in the right place in a lot of ways, but he definitely does like his own voice. And you know, it makes sense that like the upper class were more into punk because punk was all about rules. It became because the 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 thing the story they sell you is always it's about freedom and it's doing what you want. But then it all then then because I mean and it makes sense because I don't care what their politics are, whether it's conservative or liberal. There's nothing a rich white person loves more than telling people what they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's that mentality. Like they probably don't even pick up on it, but they have it like their parents, where it's just kind of elite. It's like you got to dress a certain way. You're not punk if you don't dress this way, yeah. or you don't do this, or you don't do, you don't believe in this ideology, or whatever. Right. So it makes perfect sense that. That would be co-opted by rich kids. You segued me into the greatest fucking question I have for you here. Because you're just so fucking good at this. That's why this show has been around for almost five fucking years now, Murray. I don't know if it'll be around for another five. but That's right. Apparently, (laughs) the YouTube algorithm hates it if you swear within a minute. So I've already fucked that. So we just got to avoid swearing in the first five minutes or so. God, like very punk rock of you, YouTube. Yeah, really. Um, but you said it right there where it's like with music and music scenes, you have to belong to it. And so, of course, when I was coming up, it was the emo scene. Yeah. And I've always been wearing corduroy and a T-shirt with a weird head of hair. Yeah. That's always been my thing. Yeah. And so when I was going to my first emo shows, I was so intimidated because I didn't you really, belong. Wow. I never felt that. I mean, I never, uh, like, I don't want to, like, front and be like, I'm an OG punk guy because I'm only, I'm like, I'm be 49 in a month. So, I, you know, I was, I was a little kid when this TV show happened. Yeah. But I was still around when it was underground. Like, I can, like, I mean, people don't realize that. I mean, it's weird how it's like, I mean, it's cool in a way with, like, Spotify where you can now find anything you want. Yeah. You can investigate any band you want. You can find out all their music. But it, I mean, it's weird back then because, and especially with like punk and shit, like it truly was underground. Like you had, it never got played on the radio. It never right. got played on MTV. Right. You either had to know somebody who was into it, or you had to just fucking take a risk and go, "I'm gonna get that album." I mean, you could find the albums in the stores. It wasn't that like fucking underground. Okay. But okay. but I think because of that though, you had an appreciation of it. You cherished it more. Like, and there was no greater feeling like feels a band you liked because. I didn't know how many albums the Misfits had or anything like that. Cause right. Like, like there's no internet. Right. So it was like when you, if you're like going through and you find an album by your favorite band you never knew existed, that high you would get, like, oh my god. Dude, that's one of the great. I mean, I I still kind of get that when you're flipping through vinyl and you find yeah. something cool and you find Superfly in there. You know. Right. It's still like a lading figure, but at the same time, we know everything now. It's not yeah. hard. Like we have. Like, I, I, here's the story. I remember. First time I heard uh, the Misfits' last caress was on that Metallica uh, uh, Garage oh. Days Revisited. Yeah, and but you know why? Because it was not any of their fucking albums. It was on a fucking rare, like fucking seven inch. Oh, and it was like 
30 bucks. This is talking late 80s. Like 30 bucks for this fucking 7-inch. Fuck. So I didn't hear... I knew... Obviously, I knew of the song because of Metallica. I didn't hear that song until like eight years later when they released it on like a, comp- a Misfits compilation. Right. That's fucking crazy. Like when you're talking about... I don't understand... I don't understand the Misfits album. I know Static Age. I know like Earth AD or something. And oh, I can't yeah. keep track of them. Well, they only they only had three. Oh, they only and had three. They had, okay. they had a couple compilations: Misfit oh, okay. One, Misfit Two. Okay, Misfit Two is what had Last Caress on it. Okay, and there were some other songs I never heard of. Yeah, I mean, but I really like what you said there about just like back in the day. I imagine it was much more communal. It was much more like you had to be in the fucking show to actually get it. You were seeing bands play their music as opposed to going on Spotify and just hearing the production and all that. Well, here's the thing, and this is why I'll never like hate on like the 90s pop punk thing because my i get my uh the version of punk i like or hardcore is like early 80s this is it's around where this quincy episode happened like 80 like 86 because okay. like 86 is when dead kennedys and then black flag broke up and basically everybody broke up like i don't that to me that's that's my sweet spot i don't like any like to me everything else is new hardcore to me which i don't like yeah because in my like era really my era when i was in high school the sound was the youth cruise shit coming out of new york like the straight edge stuff oh okay. and and like because what happened it was weird because what happened with punk is sometime in the 90s it split up so it either became like poppy like green day yeah. offspring style stuff or it became radio friendly right or it became super tough guy macho shit which i don't vibe with either oh yeah you we talked about it with your tough guys right your fake tough guys there's this mix there the, the old the early 80s shit there's like a mixture of there's still a sense of humor to the music it yeah. wasn't totally like i'm sorry dude like i don't like what I didn't why and like I don't even get high, but I fucking hate straight edge music, with the exception of Minor Threat. I love Minor Threat. Yeah, but, but again, that music. I mean, except for the song "I'm Going Straight Edge," it's mostly not about being straight edge. Well, and also it's, well, it wasn't preachy like straight edge music is. I wanted to say that you know, like the like the whole trope about uh, vegans always telling you they're vegan. Yeah, which also. Got into straight edge, like veganism got into straight edge. Yeah, too. exactly, yeah. exactly. And I never got that off Ian. You always saw yeah. him as being a well, fucking that was killer. A, yeah, it was. He was like, this is the way I live my life. I don't care because he grew up in the era where you it was lame to not get high. You know. Yeah. So that was his thing, but it, and it got like real dogmatic. That's, that's punk, and that, of course because the New York uh, scene, none of those kids were from New York. They were from Connecticut. Like, like the real New Yorkers were the Agnostic Front and Cro-Mags who were like genuine street thugs. These yeah. were just like middle class kids who like invaded the scene, took it over, and then of course because like I said, they want to tell people what to fucking do because that's yeah. the fuck because that's their position in life. I mean, look at this. Whenever you look at uh, uh, youths today, you're always like, oh my god, these that's kids a, are obnoxious. A hardcore band, youth of today. Youth of today. You're always looking at these kids. You're always saying, oh my god, their fucking styles obnoxious. Their tall shoes are obnoxious. Everything about them, but that's exactly what kids are trying to do. They're trying to stand out in their own way, and so yeah. of course the Connecticut Connecticut kids want to stand out in their own way. Well, what age were you when you went to your first show? Probably sixteen or seventeen. I'm like, trying to think what like, like punk. I'm I'm trying to think of what it was. I think it was exploited. Exploited, fucking good. Nice. Um. Yeah, I was still in high school, so I was probably 16 or 17. Because this is the thing. I, I started out as a metal guy. 
Mm. And uh, because, like I said, unless you knew somebody, you didn't know about fucking punk. Like, my, I had two sisters. They didn't fucking listen to punk. Right. Which is <laughs> funny. So this will tie into our episode, We're gonna the show we're going to do when we... An hour from now when we get to Quincy. It's okay. We're doing a little bit. I'm right. calling mine over Murray. <laughs> okay. <There you> go. <laughs> my, my sister's got punk rock haircuts like an 82, 83. Right, no right, way. Right when, right when this no way. episode happened. So Chris got hair. Her hair was like short as mine right yeah. now. Like she, you know, she had long hair like all girls had back then. Like all real women should have. And. <laughs> And she like dyed it red, and then Julie got up. How very punk of you to tell women how they should have their hair. I, I know, <laughs> I'm I know. And then Julie got a buzz cut. She was like a skinhead. It was like I don't know what she was thinking. Did like, she, she do was, leopard print into it? No, that would have been cool. But it was it was like it was shorter than when I get my hair. You know, yeah. I'm practically bald when I get a haircut. Yeah, and your hair is long right yeah. now, and it is maybe a it is maybe <laughs> an, an inch, inch long. Yeah. yeah. And so, and and like people would fucking freak out about that shit. Like they would get fucking rocks thrown at them and shit. This is girls with like short hair. It's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. You know, I mean, I don't know. I never that the whole punk rock like costume never appealed to me. I don't really care. I had the leather jacket and the boots, but I didn't care. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have a mohawk. Exploited sixteen ish. Where did you see them at? St. Andrews Hall, which was our punk club. Which I, if you watch Eight Mile, apparently it's a rap mecca. But I always thought it was the punk club. By the time I got there, they were doing everything. So it it makes sense. I mean, they'd have alternative music too, but it was like the punk bands always went to St. Andrews. Metal bands always went to Harpo's. Yeah. Punk bands always went to St. Andrews. What was Harpo's like in the late 80s, early 90s? <laughs> you fucking take your life in your own hands. It's pretty much I mean, like when we went there? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, uh, um, it feels uh, for everybody. Well, here, here's the thing for you. Hold on. For everybody, uh, going to Harpo's, we went there like four it's years ago. It's on the ago. east side of Detroit, and what's scary is it's so desolate. It is absolutely desolate. It is very much like a warrior set. Yes. Where it's tumbleweeds, it's fucking... Which is every punk and metal club everywhere. Right. It's always in the worst part of town. And... The scariest part about it is it's this huge venue, and you walk in, yeah. and there's these elaborate, like, uh, oh, I can't think of the grand words for it, but there's a grand entranceway and everything. Yeah, and yeah it was a, like a huge concert hall. At one it time. used to be immaculate type of situation, and now it's run down. It's dirty. Yeah. It's grimy. It's the perfect place for a metal <laughs> show. But we talked about it. There is a 10-foot rise or something? How- yeah, well, no, because there's a literal orchestra pit yeah the pit is a, a literal orchestra pit. okay it's an orchestra yeah. pit so this yeah the stage is like i don't know if it's 10 feet tall it's but it's at least six or seven yeah it is up there yeah it's terrifying to look at and i saw a guy fucking please turn his this was at a down show which is you don't know that's phil from uh pantera's like uh sabbathy kind of uh southern rock band cool cool it was packed it was annoying a show as fuck because i there's no more fucking moronic fan than a Pantera fan. Yeah, okay. and they all wanted to get up and hug him. Yeah, like they res- barely get any. They music want to show him their respect. I don't know, tons of tits flash, tons of weed thrown on the stage. But one guy got on stage. Like I just said, the stage was seven, at least seven feet tall. He turned his back to the stage and just like did a Jesus Christ Trust pose. Fall. People parted like the Red Sea, <laughs> and he's and it's concrete. And even fucking Phil's like, damn. What- the fuck? I hope you're all right. <laughs> oh, that's not funny, but it is hilarious. Yes, well, for he did him. No, he pushed him off. He did yeah, it himself. Yeah, yeah. Still, that's fucking crazy. But yeah, don't, yeah. 
well, we, we, oh, well, let me say this. So it was the yeah, it was the, I think it was exploited. I'm yeah. trying to think. Opening for them, typo negative on their first ever tour, and Biohazard. Okay. Do you know Biohazard? I've heard of these names. I haven't listened to. You've them. never heard of a typo negative. I that, might have, but not really. Back, this is back when they were racist, misogynist. People try to forget that their first album was it's a lot of like racist, misogynist. Really? Shit on it. Yeah, they kind of people kind of forget that because then they got really goth sounding, like industrial goth sounding. Yeah. So girls got into them. So people pretend like that album doesn't exist. The first album, interesting, it still does. <laughs> but fucking Biohazard. Okay, as far as I know, I don't know if they were the first to do it, but it was the first I ever heard where it was like rock rap. This oh, is like ninety ninety one. No, they were the first. So I, they came out. I immediately despised these guys, and I've hated Biohazard ever since. I've never liked Biohazard because they come out like they're just this nobody. They're on their first tour ever too, and they're this nobody fucking band, and they're just acting like they own the stage. Like, come on, show me your Detroit spearhead. And the lead singer grabbed a bottle of vodka full of water because he chugged the entire fucking mm-hmm. bottle Mm-mm. down. Mm-mm. So you know it was water. Absolutely. And I was like, I hate these motherfucking guys. And I that I never changed my mind about sorry any biohazard fans out there, but they suck. Yeah, right? Murray's but not yeah. a fan of biohazard. Yeah. Um uh, are we ready to segue this into talking about Quincy, topic at hand? Next step, nowhere. Okay, well good. I have uh some partially related we're still blending kind of lines here we're going to be talking quincy because these are people who went to youtube and had to put their voice out there about the punk rock episode we're going to watch here today a lot of people hate it okay are you ready for our first question here lay it on me back then we did not call that a mosh pit referring to some of the scenes we'll see later and discuss later in this episode they did get it right on the show when they said slam dancing. We used to say slam pit or slam circle. The mosh pit or moshing crap talk came with the advent of speed metal. Murray? That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. Interesting. Anthrax had the song Caught in a Mosh, and they said they heard that from Vinny Stigma of Agnostic Front. It was the first to use mosh, according to them. But yeah, it was slam dancing at this time. Yeah. So we kind of made fun in our chips episode, but it was. I hate to say it. I, I'm, I'm going to tell it right now. This episode is pretty accurate. Everyone's going to be like, no fucking way, man. But you don't remember people when you were kids. You were an asshole when you were a kid, just like these kids in this episode are assholes. Right. Every every there is no likable kid. Skips almost kind of. Well, they're likeable. just being typical teenagers. Exactly. I mean, like they, they, these these. These it's, are accurate betrayals. Kids said this shit it's, and it, acted this way. It's almost excusable except for one character, of course. But, yeah, outside yeah. of that, it's like, yeah, they're teens being teens. They want a fucking outlet, and I'm glad they have a fucking outlet. Next question. That's actually a pretty good uh, – this is in, uh, in discussion of the song that they play, Mayhem. Mayhem. Yeah. The band. That's actually a pretty good example of West Coast hardcore circa 1981. It would not be out of place on the Germs, GI, or GG's Always Shall Be. I agree with that. I didn't think, I did not like the tongue choke, but I thought Next Stop Nowhere wasn't that bad. I thought it, 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 it was very generic. 
Oh yeah, but it it sounded like it could have come out of that era. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm accepting of that that song. This is good. I'm glad. Yeah. I you know I wanted. I I turned to Murray and said, I'm I would see. rather listen to Mayhem than like Hatebreed or some shit like some modern hardcore. Band. God, man, you know when you're going through high school, especially through my age, because I can't imagine you saw a lot of shirt band shirts when you were going. Through I high was school. the only punk guy literally in my school. Uh, not about punk, yeah. just about band shirts. Did you see a no, lot of band shirts? No, because it was well. Maybe some rap guys, but no, it's basically mainly rap. There was a couple like uh, metal dudes in my school, but it's mostly all rap. Even the white kids just listen to rap. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So it's like when I was going through high school, it was like everybody had the bands they liked because the Hot right. Topic was a thing. Yeah. Some people would actually go to concerts and they were the coolest people because getting a band tee in those days was a journey. You had to go to the show. Yes. I'll bring up another story. Because uh, it brings it brings the exploited back into this situation. Again, everybody, this is mind over Murray. <laughs> oh, but here's another story. Here's another story from <laughs> a story the, before the story. story from the exploited show. Okay, it definitely it was '91. It was the fall of '91. You know, I know that because well, as know. we're walking out, they're handing out flyers for the show that's coming next week for this band called Nirvana that's playing St. Andrews. Holy! And then shit. literally. Month later, they blow up and they're the biggest fucking How band. How do you remember that? Because Chris was like, Chris was with me, and she's just like, "Hey, I heard these guys; they're pretty good." Mm. And I was like, and then literally a month later, they got big. Like they just blew up because that Teen Spirit came out. So was that often a thing? Where did you ever exchange musical interests with your sisters? Not really, no. But okay. she just pointed. I mean, yeah, she just pointed that. Well, you out. mentioned that in Nirvana. I mean, I don't think there's. I next mean, of course, obviously, I liked harder shit than my sisters right. would like. But, but I mean, Nirvana's really not that hard. Right, right. But still, I think Nirvana's good. Yeah. It just might not have been your taste. Oh, I like Nirvana. I don't think I, I don't. My mind wasn't blown when they came out. But then again, I wasn't listening to fucking Rat and Dokken. Right. You know, it but. just seems like something, especially in those days, when you hear like it's harder to get access to music, and you hear something, you're like, oh yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah. Would would you go to a Nirvana show in ninety one or ninety two? Sure, yeah. I thought they were fine. I mean, I would. I actually, we were gonna go see them because people don't remember this because you know people want to. You know, we always say you just remember the good shit or whatever. By ninety four, Nirvana was over. Yeah, I mean, right. So, and that's when he killed himself. So they were playing the State Fairgrounds, and it did. We were gonna just like walk up and get tickets then. It did. It did sell out, but it sold out like the last week. Meanwhile, in late ninety one, early ninety two, that would have sold out in a fucking hour. That oh show. wow! Okay. I remember. I remember getting tickets to see Lollapalooza too, and that was a fucking bitch to get, dude. Because that that show sold out like almost me. This is even before all the bullshit where corporations get oh, big no, chunks. Of- I was gonna say that's interesting because nowadays it's just corporations and shit. Yeah, you know that's what the super. You'd have Bowl to is. go to fuck. I'd have to go to Hudson's. Because that's where the Ticketmaster was. You'd have to wait out there. I never camped out or anything. But you'd have to wait there until it opened. Yeah. And then all that bullshit. What's Hudson's? You don't remember Hudson's? department store. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It was the department store. Yeah, it was in the basement. Holy shit. That was the only Ticketmaster, at least in the vicinity where I lived. That's where, that's the- At the Pontiac Mall. That's the humble beginnings of Ticketmaster. (laughs) I used to have to go to a like couple Harvey? of liquor stores. Oh, liquor yeah, stores. Uh, yeah, party stores. Oh, wow. I've never did that. Yeah, I, that's what I used to do. But, uh, yeah, and then you'd fucking wait. And then, I, 
I don't, I'm not going to get into a Ticketmaster rant. But no, getting back, I was the the story before the story. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, a fucking exploited shirt. I wanted to cover Let's Start a War, which has the famous skull, skull with a mohawk. Yeah. So you couldn't. There was no hot topic, Griff, in like 1990. Nothing. So yeah, this is when back when Royal Oak was a cool city instead of a lame yuppie town that it is now. 100. percent So I don't remember what the place was called, but it was the punk rock shop. Yeah. You know, and I went. And I was like, hey, because it was like, they didn't have it, like, it wasn't like Hot Topic where they have the shirts out or something. It was like, everything was in back. They just had it, like, on the wall. And really? you had to go, like, do you have this? Do you have that? So I go, hey, I want that shirt there. And, this, of course, this fucking goth punk bitch. Did who's you wear it? With the attitude. She just goes back, and she just gives me a exploited shirt. It wasn't the one I wanted. I'm like, this isn't what I asked for. And she's like, oh, like, this, like, total attitude. Man. And then I think she finally got the shirt I wanted. But yeah, you would have to like specialty shops or you'd have to see the band live to get a fucking shirt. You couldn't just get them anywhere. It, so it was such a cool thing in my high school when you had the band and people would fucking like I I had oh God fucking te- the teeny boppers when I was also a teen. So it was very legit. But they would be like, oh, my God, you're into that band because I would wear their band T-shirt. I did not. I did not get with ladies in high school. I'm, I'm just gonna spill the beans now. I was yeah. not. I was not fly. I was not super fly in high school at all. But late bloomer. Apparently, I did like bands that girls liked as well. What was the band? Let's see. There was Saves the Day. There was Taking Back Sunday. There was Thursday. I feel like that was it. Okay. Just those three. Apparently, those are the three. Those get the babes. The three big ones back in those days. Yeah. Shirt. I can't remember what else. I use. I used to wear that thurs- Thursday shirt twice a week, Monday and Thursday. But I will say, I've never gotten attitude from anyone at a metal show. You get attitude at punk shows, dude. I love when we go to metal shows because sure. it, like, it makes me sad because it does feel like a broken uh, community. Yeah. For sure, like everyone's grown older, uh, less people show up now. But when they do show up, it seems like everybody knows everybody. And when I talk to other people, don't go to metal shows. They're like, the metal crowd is the nicest fucking crowd. Yeah, and I hundred percent have that in my experience, and I've loved everyone. And we have our we have our one black guy who's at every metal show. Well, yeah, he goes to every metal show and all across the world. Exactly, yeah, and every time guy. I see him, I'm just like, I'm so happy that guy is doing well, and he says hi to everybody, he gives the glad hand to everybody. It's the best. I love it. Who win it? Uh, win in a battle of the band? These guys, mayhem, or pain from chips? Battle of the band or battle? Because I think pain would kick the shit out of mayhem in a fight because they were skinheads. We're talking about pain from the chips. Uh, of course, episode, which we covered. Go look for it. Or uh, I, I liked Mayhem better. Mayhem actually had some punkish riffs in there. Yeah, they had. Yeah, so I'd go Mayhem. They knew how to play a little better. Yeah. Okay. I think the guy, the singer, needed to stop uh, limp dicking the, the the delivery of his vocals. He needed to be a little harsher and you know a little bark it out a little more. Yeah, Mayhem. I would agree with that. But as far as the band, they were fine. Quincy I mean, wanted to make sure that... I mean, I, I, now I just reveal what a poser I am that I said Mayhem wasn't that bad. That's but. that's right. You, you really did. I actually have seen Mayhem. You the, didn't. The real Mayhem, the Norwegian band. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, Mayhem. The course. real Mayhem. 
Well, Murray, uh, we have really got into your mind. Are you ready to Just get? Just wait in? till we do Road Warrior in about a month. I know you're gonna no too. You're gonna might be scared of me. This this is the greatest teaser because we'll get into that more yeah. in the Wednesday episode. Yeah. Why you're teasing Road Warrior right yeah. now? But people want to know you. People want to know your mind. And we just got a lot they of background on, on you. Hey. Well, I do want to know me on Twitter. They don't want to know our show on Twitter. <laughs> there we go. That's the problem. I feel like if any kind of brain fart up, that'll get a response. But it was like, hey, please check out our show. That's the reason I'm on Twitter. It's like, mm. I don't know about that, friend. You could be a jerk. <laughs> but here we are. So wait, so I'm a jerk when I'm trying to push our show, but yeah, not exactly. but not when I'm not trying to push our show. Because you're trying to sell them something, and everybody's trying well, to sell something. Well, that is true. That no, uh, people are cowards on no social media, so they don't want to be tied to anything. So yeah. that is true. They don't want to be like, oh, well, if I I like that, I'm endorsing it, and the then peop- I don't the- want. I don't we, want blowback. We, we have our friends that chat with us, yeah. and our show is just about conversation and chatting with people, and we love you for chatting with us because we love to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. They're on a lot of our tippy taps and other episodes, and you can go find their names. But anyways, let's get on to a very important episode of Quincy because this really cuts to the core of Murray. Quincy, a show I never watched. Oh, right. You never watched this show. only episode I've seen is this episode. Um... Did I remember you? the opening. I remember when he's like saying, "Like, gentlemen, I'm gonna cut up a body in front of you," and then the cops like pass out, like, yep. one by one. Yeah, and then he's like inspecting a body, but it's really some sexy babe's body he's inspecting. What? Jack Klugman, greatest toupee in uh, TV. That was a toupee. That's a toupee. Oh yeah. shit! I didn't even know it until I saw him on an episode of Match Game because he only wore it for like work. He didn't. He was like comfortable being bald. Oh, okay. So he was on Match Game bald, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I didn't know Jack Klugman. Wow. Was bald. Okay. Very good for him. Yeah. Both ways. Like, yeah. you know, me and uh, uh, Kayla had this conversation the other day, and I was like, I couldn't wear a toupee. I would not feel confident. Like, I'm thinning in the yeah. back there, and it's like, if I lose my hair, I lose my hair. I'm going to go with the Fraser Crane route. I'm just going to grow the fucking size <laughs> long as shit. Yeah. Going to be that guy. I'm going to be Nash, who we lost recently, or is it Crosby, or is it Stills? It was David Crosby. Oh, I'm sorry, Crosby. Good but riddance. Good riddance, hippie. I'm fucking doing that. I'm going that route. When when this goes thin, I'm just great. going that route. That sounds great, great. Are you excited for that? No. I'm worried. I'm dealing with my own hair loss, so I just go shorter. Hey, man, you're you're getting close to a big number in age, and yeah. you still have the hair you have. You're doing great. Yeah, it's because you hit the wall when it's 50. I have one more year left. Yeah, <laughs> and the life's over. You might as well kill yourself. No, no, no. I I'm sorry. I'm being – mayhem is in my mind. I, mayhem is in his mind, YouTube. He didn't say that. He didn't <laughs> oh, say the K on. word. I have heard – think they really cover it that hard <laughs> our fucking piddly ass little show it's, it's pot well murray it's not people f- needling through yeah, our show but it's I'm robots saying, yeah i know that but i'm just saying i think they i think they got a lot of other sh- like uh channels to get to before they get no to us. the robots catch everything and then the people with big shows say hey you mistook this then they get rectified. We're not going to get rectified. We're going to get further up the rectum. Get wrecked. Or we're just going to get wrecked. Anyways, Murray. Quincy, I never watched this show. I don't know anything about it. I He apparently has a bitch girlfriend. He has a girlfriend? That was Emily was his girlfriend. He kissed her, and he was dancing with her. What are you talking about? Who's Emily? 
The fucking woman who's a bitch who hates punk rock. The counselor? Did you watch the fucking episode? Yes. She was the counselor. Yes. Okay. I didn't get that from the whole episode. I didn't get that they were a thing. Yeah, well, I got it. I just thought, no, I, I didn't recognize her at the end of the show because it's in such low quality. He I'm kisses just... her. Was the first time they meet, he kisses her. They did? Yes. I must have been looking at my notes. Well, well I'm I sorry. I missed that, Murray. Anita Gillette played, the, played the girlfriend. I'm sorry. Um. So, yeah, this is this is new territory. This is what this is what I love about uh, doing our cop in the field series. I've seen so many shows I never watched. I rem- I I knew every show we've done. I never watched. I never watched Rockford. I never watched uh, Murder She Wrote. I never watched Magnum, and so I'm learning too. It's a learning experience for everybody. I guess this is kind of a cop in a feel. It is. Well, it wasn't a cop, when he... and you just got my feelings about punk rock. I know. I was going like to say hour. we always thought the the purpose of a cop in a feel was to understand what shows people liked. Already, you don't really like Quincy, no. but this episode had an impact on you. It hit me hard. It hit me in the feels. And we fucking say. filibustered the people for 30 fucking minutes about you, so clearly it had an impact. Of course it did. It spoke to me. Okay. I, like, I'll go on record. This this episode's not as far-fetched as people. I mean, yes, there's there's the hysteria. Like, punk isn't going to... Like I said... It's it was punk was the domain of fucking suburban kids. No, kids aren't killing themselves no. and killing others because of punk. That no. was ridiculous. But a lot the way the kids acted is the way kids act. I'm sorry if you if you don't see that because you're just embarrassed that you acted that way because we all acted like assholes when we were teenagers because we're going through shit. We're going through hormones and all this weird right. shit and everything's so serious. When it, and then you realize an adult how stupid the shit that you sweated over was. Exactly. I mean. Think about this. I was terrified of senior day at high school. I thought I was going to get fucking hammered. Nothing ever happened. But that was like an old did, rumor. Did it ever happen to anybody? We no, never had, I don't we think We never so. had that shit at my school. So yeah, I don't think it ever did. But it was still floating in the air. <laughs> there was always the, I'm going to kick your ass last day of school. There was always that threat. That, yeah, something like that. No, the shit that yeah. did happen to me, like one of my, one of my uh, childhood friends... On um, one day of school, he just ran up. And this, like, poor old Griff, he didn't grow until he was over 18 years old. So I'm all of, you know, like, five foot, and, you know, 17-year-old Griff. And my you think five foot at 17? Yeah, man, I was wow. tiny. You, you must have been terrified, like, fuck, is this it for me? Am I going to be five foot my whole life? I didn't really get too fixated on it at that I would time. <laughs> at that time. I've been the same height since I was, like, 14. Yeah, it was weird. I wish I, w- I grew more. I wasn't too fixated on that because I had attention from ladies and everything. So I was like, oh, well, I'm okay with this. And then it was like late in my junior year, it was like I got an inch. And then when I came back my senior year, I had like another inch. And so I was like, okay, well, things are happening. You're talking about height, not his penis. I'm talking about height. Uh, But one of my friends from elementary school and everything, I, I used to hang out with him. He fucking like... After a day of school, I walked to school. It was like a block away from my house. Well, he fucking put a trash bag over my head and my body. <laughs> tried to kill you. And he was like fucking with me. And that was the fucking weirdest day. And it was a guy I knew the whole time. It, it, it came out of nowhere. I never talked to him. I barely talked to him. So I had no idea what the fuck was happening. He was- that's dangerous. I mean, you can suffocate in a plastic bag. Yeah, right. Like, he just threw it over me and then just, like, pushed me and shoved me and laughed. And it was like, what the he fuck? He got caught in the this? moment of senior day. 
It Much wasn't like even, you get caught in the moment of punk rock. It wasn't even senior day, Murray. It was just a random was fucking day. I just wanted to tell you about a high school trauma <laughs> of mine. And you know what? It was like my school. Are you, was, do you have PTSD? My sc- no. Okay. My school was a school of choice, so we had plenty of like Detroit kids coming in. So there was it was probably like sixty percent white, thirty percent uh, black, and of course there was a lot of parents like, "Oh my God, there's too many Detroit kids in here." That was that was my white friend. Okay. That was just the white friend that I had. Okay. That's how the shit works out. Just if you were wondering, it wasn't a black kid that did that to Griff. It was a white kid. It's about to be Black Exploitation Month. I just want to put that clear. Yes. <laughs> Can we talk about Quincy? Quincy? Well, we are talking about Quincy. I never watched it. So, <laughs> But it opens up. Quincy, for everyone who doesn't know Quincy, he's a medical examiner. So he's a coroner, basically. Very much like a character we're about to learn about. Maybe Dr. Uh, Dr. Gordon Gordon Thomas. Thomas. Not to be confused with my witch doctor, Kingsley Thomas. That's right. Which you'll hear about Wednesday. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. So, That's why you're so fucking groovy. Exactly. So we start out right in the meat of it. By the way, everybody, Courtney Love alleges that she was an extra in this episode. I, You know, I, I read you those questions from YouTube. Yeah. That came up constantly. Yes. I don't buy it. Well, I mean, and she's a pathological liar, so I don't. I take everything Courtney Love says with a grain of salt. Pat Smear from the Germs also is apparently in it. I believe him. Okay, but I do not believe Courtney Love because that sounds like the thing she would lie about. Like, okay, it's like so. Like, who cares? It's so stupid. She's our. She was the. Uh, uh, she's just a low light piece of shit. Alt rock scenes. George Santos. <laughs> yes. People hate her. She ruined the life of a fucking uh, talented man. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. I believe she could do it. I don't believe she did do it because she's such a drug-addled idiot. She would let she would let it slip eventually. In the past thirty years, it would have slipped out eventually. Yeah. But you know, it's yeah. I, I kind of think that's where it would go to. Yeah, she would just let it slip. But we're going to a fucking club. Club I, Ground Zero. Ooh, that's a little too offensive. Post nine eleven. Well, this was not nine eleven. This was twenty years earlier. Uh, yeah, I understand that. And Mayhem, the uh, the uh, residency they're doing at Club Ground Zero because Mayhem plays here every fucking night. I hate that you brought up residencies because we've been talking about this since our fucking groundbreaking, just record-shattering Roadhouse episode. Residency bands, resident bands in the 80s. Yeah. This was a thing, apparently. Apparently, yeah. I didn't know it. But, Bands yeah. would camp out near a shitty club for a month and just play there every night. Right. And we see uh, punkers filing in. These are probably like legitimate like punk kids from the L.A. scene because they had the fucking fucked up hair. I wouldn't, see, I, don't, I wouldn't think an actor would do some of this shit to their hair that we see. Some of them felt like reaches and some of them felt more uh, uh, authentic. Yeah. And now we're, we, we, learn, we meet... Our main punkers. Okay. And they got some of the punkest names you've ever heard. Yes, please. Hit me with it. We got Zach. We got Skip. <laughs> and we got Molly. Molly's doing something very interesting. I think she thought she was going to see the Norwegian mayhem because she's wearing corpse paint. <laughs> okay. Yes. I kind of like it. It's like it's it's kind of like a, a cross between corpse paint and Pris from Blade Runner. Right. Daryl Hannah. Yes, you're right about that. And so it's because she's got her face is painted white. She yes. has fucking 
dark. She always has a skull painted on her face. She's got right. dark eye makeup, and then, then the cheekbones are kind of accentuated. Accentuated, yeah. And then she is a redhead. Yeah, she's got the short, curly red hair. She's got short, curly red hair, and then she also has the tips of the back of her mullet yeah. painted. Yeah, like blue or something. Right. Like grayish blue. Yeah, it was like thing. a grayish blue. And she's got her house key on her, her dangling ring, er, earring. Right. And so then we see uh, Skip, who I thought was like her boyfriend or something. He looks like your typical blonde high schooler. He, I thought he's he got was, like war. He has the adamant war paint on his he, face. Yeah, he definitely does. He's got like a thin little headband <laughs> yeah. he wears. He's got kind of fluffy I hair. I thought he was. He maybe is. I thought he was the actor from Square Pegs who played the new wave guy. But I'm probably not, I'm not sure. But, yeah. uh, and then you have Zach. Zach, who he's a street kid. He's a street tough. He's got the neck brace with the fucking studs in it. Yeah, and he's got he's got he's, Spikes, a, he's, a, he's a cutter, so he's got scars all over. His face oh, and his yeah, body. His face. And they all have like weird makeup stains on their face too. Yeah. Like they're really into threes or maybe they're like butts. Maybe they're first emoji. <laughs> like the emoji butts or something. Yeah. There's Well, this is by expressing yourselves, punk man. So yeah, they're hyped. They're waiting. Especially Zach. He's grinding his teeth. He can't wait till Mayhem hits the stage. Right. He can't wait for Mayhem to hit the stage and he can't wait for his fucking girlfriend to arrive. Where yes. the fuck is she? Where is Abigail. Abigail. Little suburban princess Abigail who's who's kind of testing the waters, like going away from Mama Bird. You see what you did there, though? You said little suburban Abigail. Yeah. Is it your case that all these kids are suburban kids? Well, Zach seems like he's like a runaway. Okay. So see, he's fucked up. Okay. And may, and so that Abigail, of course, is drawn to that. Okay. Because he, he represents violence and danger, but he's got a sweet side. Okay. So she's going to like, her love will change him, Griff. Uh, oh, right. But of course. Yeah. So, yeah. she. Well, come on. Abigail's slumming. Can we be honest about it? That's what she's doing. That's right. We learned about this in our... Um, oh, God damn it. It was our first movie of <laughs> Schlocktober. Oh. Dario Gen- or um, 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 Murder Rock? Murder Rock. Because our girls were slumming hard in yeah. that movie. So, yeah, because she... That's the whole thing about... When you don't have real problems in life, you have to create problems, Griff. So she's got to have her mom. Also, be it's angry. teenagers. Yes. Let's remember, teenagers. She's got to have her mom angry about right. something. So what? You pick the dirtbag boyfriend, right? She also just wants to be part of a live scene that youths are involved with, and this right. is well, a she's live probably scene. like a sensitive, like smart girl, and the, she clearly is a the, sensitive the, smart the girl. The cheerleader bitches are giving her shit. What's so. the what's the high or the like college sophisticated word for the smartest person in your class? College prep kids. That's what I call. No, no, no. Call. Like alpha, they use the Greek words for it. I don't know. When they say it's like, oh yeah, they were the smartest kid of their class. Oh, valedictorian. Yeah. My, the valid Victorian, valid Victorian of uh, my high school year was a juggalo. Well, good for him. Her. Oh, her. Yeah. Her. No, she, Lacey was great. Yeah. But, yeah, she well, was a we juggalo. All, we all have our faults. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> high school, after all. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying. I'm not, yeah. No, I, so, yeah, I'm, I, I'm the one defending this episode. I'm like, these kids are pretty accurate. Even though no one wants to admit that they were like, you're just like these kids. Like, no, I was different. I was cool. I wasn't like some lame middle-aged guy wrote this episode. He doesn't know me. Dude, the conversations, I'm sorry, happening on YouTube right now <laughs> over who wrote the fucking punk rock mayhem song is astounding. Because everyone's Darby like, Crash, was that it? No, That's what killed him. 
People are saying, look into the fucking credits of this episode. The writers wrote the lyrics for the song. And then everyone's like, no, this band wrote the song. What is it? Anarchy 6 is what I told you. Okay. And people are like, Anarchy 6 recorded that song eight years later. It's a cover of this song. <laughs> and then there was like another band that came up. But that's the thing. Before the internet, and shame on them now. Before the internet, you would never know. You would just buy that. You'd hear that and go, and you'd say it in a smug way like, those Anarchy Six fucking did right. it, right? Because you don't know, right? I think there was another band that came uh, up within that conversation, and they're like, "Great, yeah, look at when they released that with released that quote unquote single nine years later." It, yeah, real punk rock, Anarchy very Six. punk posers, rock very punk rock of them. Yeah, but Abigail finally does show up. Yeah, and she's punked up, well, kind of punked up, kind of, not quite. She, outfit, she's got, outfit. She's got the extension cord wrapped in her hair. Extension cord, <laughs> and we didn't mention Molly has a fucking earring. We did mention that? Oh, we did. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. These kids <laughs> invaded an Ace Hardware or something. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you gotta. They're hardcore. They go to hardware. Good point. And she arrives. Zach doesn't barely notice her. He's so hyped for fucking mayhem. So Molly's going to take her aside. You aren't punked up enough. <laughs> Let me take you to the little girl's room. We're going to punk your face up. So they fix up her face. By just scrawling some lines on her face. And they braid it up. They, like, braid it up several segments of the front of her bangs. Yeah, they were, like, little, yeah, like, little braids. Braids, Very yeah. not punk rock. Honestly, it was very strange, but but did you? I know you didn't notice this, but I noticed. This. Of course, you did. Go on. You know who Ma, uh, uh, Abby really is? Her her birth name isn't Abigail Griff. Her birth name is Katie because she is into punk rock because she got her virginity taken and her heart broken by little Matt the Mac Masters from Iron Eagle because that's the same actress. <laughs> That is Katie, Doug Masters' girlfriend from Iron Eagle, which we just covered three days ago. Christ. Look into it. You're kidding me. Yes, it's her. Same actress. After he flee to Balion, she went out in the punk scene and got fucked? Exactly, yeah. Holy shit. Once you've been Matt's head, you're... He's too busy staring down Chappie. You're staring into the abyss for the rest of your life because you're not getting Matt back. Oh, well, yeah, he's staring down his uh, iron sights at Chappie's ass. Right. Murray so, doesn't get it. I don't get that. And so, yeah, she's all like, you know, my mom doesn't want me to see Zach. You know, she thinks he's riffraff. Yeah. I uh, love him. I love this guy. She's going to disown me if I stay around him. How can she disown you if she never owned you? You're your own person. Exactly. Beautiful punk lines. Murray's heard that yeah, many times. I've when, said it many times. That's right. And then when I'm punking up Griff, we go to a club. I was like, Griff, are you wearing that? Come to the bathroom with me. I'm punking you up. Murray's <laughs> always dragging me into the little bathroom at small. That's the song, the Misfit song. You don't go in the bathroom with me. That's what it's about, punking people up. Really? Yeah. Hor- uh, what's the song? Kind of fucking Mike's like, what the fuck? You don't remember that song? Just think about horror business. Horror, horror business. business. Think about going to Smalls and punking someone up in the little bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> fucking venues, small as shit. It's like why it's called Smalls. Right, I, like the women's bathroom. I don't know what that's like because I've never been in there because I'm not a creep. Right. 
so the bathroom that's left for the men is in the hallway. So there's people constantly walking, and it's hard to get into. And then it is literally a toilet and a mirror staring into the toilet. I imagine getting punked up by you. You're like, all right, sit in your little tuchus on that sink there. Let me get my makeup out punk you up. So not only is she, the Molly, the master of punking up people, she's the drug person you go to. She is the quaalude. You need some ludes? Quaaludes. You go to Molly. The queen of the and quaaludes. And she has a little, she keeps them in the cap of the fucking. Uh, she is obnoxious with that cap. She doesn't want to touch the pills at all. And she's all about getting people. She wants to, people to experience the ludes because she's like, Zach, Zach, ludes. He's like, no, that shit slows me down. I gotta get fucking up. I am so ready for mayhem. But Abby, she wants to be part of the cool kid crowd. She takes the ludes. Of course she does, because again, she is Bambi in the woods here. You know, Peer she's pressure, finally. Man. Yeah, so she is trying to make sure she fits in because she's obviously new to this scene. So we see uh ma'am tuning up. Yep. That's the most least punk rock thing. They're tuning up. They're tuning up. And what's even more punk rock about this venue is that there's tables everywhere. Yeah. And all the kids are sitting at the tables. Well, yeah, you got to do something. Judging the other punks. I've been been to shows that had tables. Yeah. And they're just making sure the other kids are punk enough for them. Well, yeah, that's actually true. Even though we're joking, that actually is true. That actually is true. And so after they get done assessing everybody, I quick eye judgment, are all punks in this, uh, you know, venue at this time? Did you spot Courtney Love? I did not. Okay. I didn't know to look for her. Uh, finally, the band hits the stage. Zach is just losing his shit. He's pumping his fist. Right. He's punching himself. He's getting crazy. You see scars on his face, little scars that he may have put them himself, but he's got scars. <laughs> he's got to get up there. He pops up, throws his chair down. Abby stands up with them. I need to go with you. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to the slam dance. <laughs> the slam pit as the... The correct the YouTuber correctly said. Okay. I'm going to the slam pit. <laughs> I'm going with you. No! It's too radical for you, babe. <laughs> Alright, that was a pretty rough line from a middle aged guy writing this episode. I will say that. It gets it's getting too radical for you, babe. <laughs> and he leaps into the pits. And he's just everyone's just throwing fists, having a good did, did, were you ever into fucking Moshing. Have you ever been in a mosh pit? Yeah. Do you enjoy it? It's fun. I think it's the most stupidest thing on the fucking planet. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's one of these things where like when you've been in real like fist fights and street fights, you just realize how stupid fucking you realize how stupid mosh pits are and how stupid BDSM shit is because it's like it's like people do both of those things to show intense and like, you know, I'm fucking intense. I'm into fucking S&M. And it's like, look, violence that has rules and safe words, that's not violence. That's cosplay. Right. If you've been in a fight where someone across from you wants to kill you or doesn't care if you kill you, that's not a good feeling. Yeah. I've been in that experience. I don't like it. So I was never into fucking moshing. I don't, first of all, I don't like, no, hey, I'm not making any judgments. To me, there's a very homoerotic element to moshing, which I just don't, it doesn't vibe with me. Yeah. I don't yeah, want yeah. like shirtless, fat, sweaty guys rubbing on me. And that's, that's, that's an element of moshing that I don't like. I will I don't, say, I don't want people touching me, period, at a show. 
I will say by the time I was really going to shows, really going to frantic venues like that, like I've never been into like fucking fist flying type shit. It definitely did evolve to a point where it was like, it was more of just like, there's a lot more room and there's people being thrown, but there's not fists being thrown. Well, that, I think at the beginning, that's what it was like. Yeah. And then people just, like everything, people got to take it to the next level. Yeah. It, and I, that's like it's like I said, I don't like what I consider modern hardcore, which is the past thirty years. It's too tough macho. Guy. It's yeah. too tough, guy. Like, I, it's boring. There's a lot of shows I go to where I'm like, I don't really like the profile of the people here. I'm not gonna participate in a lot of things. And then there's a lot of shows I go to, uh, like certain. I mean, it was at one time a dance. You get uh, you get in the circle. Yeah. And you would do the fucking moves. Yeah. And you, and were, you would just throw people in and out. And that was cool. And it nobody was got hurt. You Except, know, and girls was, could do it. It was all about being like standing up tall, though. And it mm. was just like keeping your arms in. It wasn't about fucking throwing your fist all mm. over the place. Because I've been in some crazy. Like the first the first time I saw Giz, because they have some pretty heavy sets. By the way, we will get to the episode. Uh, yeah, eventually. But this is a punk rock episode, so right. get with it, fucking people. Right. Uh, you're, not, you're not listening to this anyway. And if you are, you want to hear this. Uh, like, literally, the crowd separated, and then once, like, the fucking main riff started, we collided with each other. But it was just a bunch of idiots jumping into each other. And yeah. it's not like what we're about to see here, where they just let somebody fall to the ground and stomp all over them. Everybody is very cognitive now, and they're like, fucking pick that guy up. Yeah. It's a very... It could go it, either way. Except for my way. experience where people told me I didn't earn it and choked me by the throat. <laughs> At not I've never had anyone touch. I've had somebody try that you didn't earn it with me. He didn't do anything to me, but they were trying to pick a fight with me yeah. about not earning it. Like I didn't. I was wearing like a shirt that like, I had no business wearing. It was like one of those things. And I think it was like from one of... There's nothing sadder than the... like. Middle-aged punk guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he only because because in real life he's a piece of shit loser. So oh, he no. has he has to hang out with teenagers, and they only hang out with him because he gets them beer. Right. This is the one place he gets to reign king. Right. He feels like he can be the cool guy. Mm -hmm. He can talk to all the obviously wide-eyed kids here and be like, "Oh yeah, I've seen dead Kennedys." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That guy. It's, yeah. It's exactly. You've never been that guy to me. No. Well, because well, yeah, like like you know, how sad that would be if I had a mohawk, Griff. Sick. Well, no, it's not about being a mohawk. But I think, no, I think it is. I think if you're wearing punk drag in your middle-aged years, it's kind of sad. No, 100% it is. I, in fact, I wish kids would come up with something new. It's so played out. Yeah. Like, be into punk music, but do your own fashion. Right. Because, it, I mean, it's the equivalent of, like, if I went to a show, like, if you went to fucking, you just said, uh, King Gizzard as a hippie, because that's kind of, like, fucking jam kind of band shit isn't it they do jammy stuff so jammy if you came stuff. with like bell bottoms and shit nobody would do it actually like, what the fuck this is in 1969 i think the summer of love dude yeah like, people left that behind but people can't get beyond punk they just stay there i don't get it punk, punk has just it's like it's so not fucking like dangerous or out there you see it's like when i see somebody with like some bright colored hair and mohawk i go it's a walmart shopper like yeah. it's like it's so not Dangerous or cool? If you were gonna say punk at its dangerous was when it was anti, well, not like I anti just said, like I was just saying with my sisters, like they had rocks thrown at them for having short hair. Right, <laughs> I mean, nothing, nothing like that's that gonna happen. There's ago. no extreme no, yeah. punk look anymore. Yeah. Anything punk bandish, you can get on, you can get anywhere for free, easily accessible. It's like it's right. such you don't have to 
earn it. You don't have to earn it. Where are we at in this He is show? moshing, and he's throwing fists, and a guy lays him out. Oh, no. He jumps the stage, and oh, he yeah. gets thrown down. Right. He Yeah, he got forcibly stage-dived. Yeah. God. He got forcibly? Yeah. Two guys, the two uh, like security threw him off the oh, stage. They, oh, oh, you're right. I'm so glad that died away. Stage, yeah. uh, the body fucking surfing. I'm glad that there was a time in the early 90s where no matter what the band was, motherfuckers had to body surf. I'm not I didn't come here to fucking carry some fucker. No, the privilege right. of getting- and if you're a chick. Sorry, don't do it if you don't want people grabbing on you because you're leaving yourself wide open for that shit. It's don't not, do it. It's not a good situation. I don't, don't know why you would want to do that. It seems weird. Pigeon, you're weird. <laughs> He walked on hands. That no, that's kind of cool. He did. A, he pulled an Iggy Pop. He did pull an Iggy Pop. Don't that's, say that to Pigeon. Yeah. That'll just put his <laughs> ego over the top. And we already boosted him last week. Yeah. Pigeon, I love you. Yeah. All right. So he gets thrown off the stage. Not a, if he was in Harpo's, he'd be dead right now. He would be. He would, they would be. In, <laughs> he would be dead. There'd be no fuck. standing. He would be. His skull would have burst open. So episode over. like a snotty little brat kid, he unzips his leather bondage pants, and he says he didn't earn it. And he pulls out the ice pick he keeps in his pants. Ice I, pick. I thought it was a switchblade at first, but no, it is an ice it pick. It is an ice pick. And he goes to stab a guy, but there's so much calamity that it gets his hand gets chopped, and the ice pick goes scattering. It's like the beginning of uh, Temple of Doom with that fucking diamond scattering around the dance floor. Right, and everybody's still boogieing, man. <laughs> and he gets knocked over. Uh-huh. And he looks up, and then he puts his hands over his face, and then suddenly he's gone. We just see him collapse on the ground, and Abigail, it's the love of her life. So she's running to him, and Molly grabs her. No! We gotta get the fuck out of here. It's crazy because we see Molly in the back with Skip, and Molly cannot even keep her head up. And fucking even, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Abigail. Abigail. She barely can keep her head up because she's high on the lewds as well. <laughs> and so they're both looting out, and they rush. It's ludicrous. It's a- Ludicrous. And so they write, this is an hour in for two paragraphs. Hey, this one's for us. All this right? one is if you don't want to listen to it, don't listen. This one is for us. We're going to take a very earned break in a second here yeah, and come like, back. We both have to pee. We've been talking too long. <laughs> so they see that their friend, like something's happened to him. So Abigail's the first to get to him. But somehow Molly and Skip are able to pull her off. Right. And he just gets pulled back into the crowd to safety and dun, dun, dun. See ya, show! 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 Not me, man! <laughs> well, Murray, it's about time we be introduced to the uh, titular character of the show. Yeah, the star of the show. It's, it's like we've been—we're like ten minutes into the not our episode, but into this episode. Oh God, we're fucking an hour into our episode. And uh, yeah, we see Quincy. This is, this is how times have changed. They didn't even show the dead body. We just see him looking down on what we That's assume we is need. a dead body. Yeah, and then we do look in in a forum and admit it. Nowadays, here. like on, net, on network TV, there'd be like the guys like cut chest split open and they're like yeah what really else? really we, we're all about the fucking human gore as long as we don't see like the gruesome detail well the act of cutting them open it's like no fine just show split rib cages no i don't want to fucking see that 
Quincy's like, what happened? Was this kid hit by a train? Like, he's like, there's, he's covered in fucking self-inflicted scars, heel marks all over his body, but a stabbing did the fatal blow. But what? 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 What was stabbed into him? We don't know. And then, all of a sudden, uh, I, I'm assuming this is a regular character, Quincy's girlfriend, Emily, shows up. She is a therapist. And also, Abigail and her mother, uh, Molly. Susan. Susan. Susan? Molly mom? is the girl. Yeah, you're right. My leads. bad. Susan. And she, she's, been, she's been counseling Abigail and her mother, Susan. They've been going, obviously, they've been going through some hard times. Oh, definitely. And she knows about Zach because Abigail's been dating Zach. So she's like, look, Quince, I'm worried about this girl, Abby. I've been talking to you. She did not come home last night. I've been talking with her and her mom, Susan. Her mom, Susan, she, she runs a restaurant. Ever since my, uh, Abigail's dad left six years ago, it's just been her. And she's going through shit. She's got a, you know, she's running a restaurant, working 10-hour days. 10 hour a day. And her daughter, her daughter has no respect for the hustle. Ten no, hours a doesn't. day, and she's at home putting out cigarettes on the furniture. She's putting cigarettes out on herself. Cigarettes on herself. Taking drugs. And listening to the worst of all, violent music, reinforcing her bad behavior. Not reinforcing it, causing her bad behavior. Oh, causing it. Quincy... Thankfully, is like, what are you talking about? This is like a fad, like anything else. Right? Is it Quince? Is it really? Whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down there! Don't fucking cast aspersions on me. I'm just starting to learn this whole situation. You're saying there's music so persuasive that it's turned a humble girl with a great mother who works so hard for her into a monster. That's what I'm saying, Quince. Kids are dying on the streets because of this music. The most powerful thing in a child's life, music. You're going to have to prove it to me. First, hand. I'll do that. Mayhem, they have a residency at Club Ground Zero. We're going to check them out. Murray, would Dalton ever cool a punk club? I don't know because we know we've established that Dalton is classy. It's true. And he would have nothing to do with this. Race. He would go. He would walk in and go. There's nothing I can do for this place. Even though he, even at the state, the double deuce was in at the beginning. He's like, that's better than this. Would you because s- these people aren't human. Dalton would be like, they're not even human. I can't. These are animals, and I'm not an animal trainer. I am a cooler. I bring class to every establishment I go to. Is the double deuce in its original state more of a punk rock club than this club? There's more drugs and uh, people getting killed and fucking. More people not dressing up. They're coming as they are. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and put it on the line. Reference there? What's that? Come as they are. Is that a Nirvana reference? It was a Nirvana reference. I'm glad you caught it. Very punk rock. Not not a lot of people know the B-sides of Nirvana. B-sides? That was like a huge hit for them. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Come on. I know. And so uh, he decides to go. He's like, like a, like. Uh, an adult, he's like, I'm gonna see for myself. Right. So they're at, like I said, ma'am, they're rocking out. No Dalton to be seen. 
Of course not. Lost cause, the ground zero. Yep. And I love it. It's like he gets a cup of coffee or something at a fucking punk club. It's so dad, so dad drop, like dad bringing their kid to a punk show, like vibe going coming off of Quincy. I'd love it. I would, yeah. I, you know, I'd be okay if yeah. like my niece and nephew were like, hey, we're scared to go to shows. I'd be like, well, you need to fucking go to shows. I feel like everybody needs to start going to shows. I hate that people don't go to shows. So I would, I, liked, I, I just watch YouTube videos of shows. But I want people to go to shows. You can get the same experience watching YouTube. We need people to go to shows. Because if people... No, go- no, 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 Griff. First of all, we want our music for free. Yes. And we also don't want to pay the only re- avenue fans have to make money. We don't want to do that either. Right. We want you to create your, your music and your art for me, for free. Maybe I'll pay you. Maybe I won't. That's what art is. Hmm. Art is a right yeah, you're right, actually. You know what? Mm. Now that I think about it, we shouldn't pay artists any money at all. No. Well, first of all, AI is going to be doing everything from here on out. For fuck's sake. When are we, you know what? We need to type our fucking show into an AI, and then we'll do an AI episode of this. We'll just read what AI thinks we would say. That would be interesting. <laughs> See how accurate it is. That would be interesting. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, we're back at the club. Quincy? Quincy's there. He's got a cup of coffee. He's got his fucking finest uh, jacket on because right. he's dressed like, a like tweed an adult. Jacket, yeah. He's got uh, Emily with her. Yeah, she's at him. a table. He's kind of mingling a little, taking in the scene. He's trying to. He's trying to connect with the youths, and I love that about him. Very much like Doctor uh, Thomas Gordon, Gordon Thomas. He's like, I want to be a part of my community. So he's right. at, like going around and like. You know, greeting the kids and everything, he accidentally spills coffee. Well, on someone the bumps girl. into him, so he oh, spills the coffee, and then he spills the coffee, and so he apologizes to the girl and says, "I'm so sorry." And she says, "Oh shit, who are you with? What are you doing here? Did you earn it?" And he's like, "I'm with the coroner's office." I fucking love that band. You're so fucking cool. Showing what a poser she is. Everybody's a band. Meanwhile, do you notice they're like popping pills like as they're talking to Quincy? Everybody's <laughs> just the loons were so huge early eighties yeah. LA. And so he like he even rolls his eyes go poser. Like yep. I even know that. Sits back down with Emily. They're just watching the crowd, watching them slam dance. Yeah, no moshing going on here, all slam. And they're just disgusted because they're two outsiders watching the youth culture live and cultured. They're just watching violence. To them, it's just violence. And, and Mayhem's rocking out, and he's like, you won me over, Emily. I'm convinced. This is dangerous. Well, they see a kid get... They're just slam dancing all of a sudden, then fists start flying, and not in an aggressive way. I mean, I guess it was aggressive, but it wasn't like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Just a fist goes flying into a kid's face, he busts blood out of his nose. He walks out of the fucking slam dance, and he's just bleeding out of his face. And that's what Quincy's like. Those chimichungas are coming out. You do not want to take a shit at a punk club. So I'm going to say, damn it, shit on yourself, Quince. Dude, oh my god, we used to, <laughs> me and Dave. This is going to be a three-hour episode. Bro. Yeah, no, me and Dave. Two or three years straight, we went to an anarchy club for, uh, what's it, the day before Thanksgiving, I think? Okay. And that the was... The biggest bar night of the Oh, year. my God. That was the worst toilet to visit. 
Yeah. It's almost like the punks feel like they, they think of, like I said, it's just rules when it comes to punk. So it's like we have to have a shit encrusted toilet because that's punk. Right. It's like the the fucking toilet at CBGB's. You that was the night I didn't realize how long the line was, so I stepped in. By the way, people, we all got to piss and shit. Yeah. Piss and shit like a human being. Just piss and shit like a human. Don't piss on everything. Yeah. Like, you know? We all are using this toilet. And we know guys are doing this. Yeah. Guys, fucking calm Girls down. are just as disgusting, though. They act like they're not, but I, I talk with my sisters, and they're like, no, there's disgusting shit going on Ladies, in girls' bathrooms. get your shit under control. I mean, this guys need to, human beings. Too. Be a human being. Don't yeah. be an animal. Respect toilets. That should be a respectful zone. Like, even if you want to fuck in there, just clean up after yourselves. It's a vulnerable state when you got to take a shit. It really is a vulnerable state. It is. Especially when there's only one and there's, yeah. like, you know, over 100 people in the venue. Yeah, stop. Clean up after yourself. Act like it's your home. But that's the venue. I Because the bathroom line turned into the merch line. So I stepped into it thinking it was a bathroom line. And we went forward a few paces. And then the girl behind me was like, you're not supposed to be there. And I was like, I'm not? Oh, well, I'm about to hop in this bathroom, but are you gay? You can hop in there with me. And I was like, no, I'm not gay. And she's like, then get the fuck to the back of the line. <laughs> so apparently if I lied to the girl and yeah. said I was gay, I could just watch her pee. You missed out. I don't want to watch anybody pee. Who does, unless you're watching Caligula. <laughs> but... uh. All right, what's up with Abby? Little Abby. She's at home. We see her room. You see how she's still, there's still that little little princess girl that her mother loved with like the kitty cat shit everywhere and pink everything. So she's not totally corrupted, Griff. There's no spray paint on the wall. She's got a fine oil painting of a guy with an acoustic guitar wrapped uh, around his legs. Yes. And so she's not corrupted. There's no anarchy symbol spray painted on the walls. She can still be saved, Griff. Mom walks in, or grandma, I don't know, she looked like she was 80. God damn it, she looked like she was 80. And she's like, Abigail. Abigail's playing Mayhem's latest song, Next Up Nowhere. Uh, constantly. It's just on repeat. Yeah, and she's being like a true, just misunderstood teenage girl. She's laying on the bed, face down. She's yeah. just distraught. She lost the love of her life. The only way she won't she... remember in like a week. Right, and but... the only way she's willing to wake up is when that record gets stopped. Right, and she's like, what? are you doing mother well i'm gonna go off to work but i have time to make you breakfast i'm not hungry uh well i was gonna make a frittata no thank you mother she's being a real bitch she is being a real bitch put the record back on mom is like look Think of it as, look on the bright side of your boyfriend dying. He was a loser. He was taking you down. You're a straight-A student. No! I loved him. We're from the same mold. You just don't get it. And because we're same from the same mold, you must hate me too, mother. Now look, people. We're all adults now. We're all cringing at that language. Kids talk like this. No, that was accurate. 
I'm sure we got a lot of parents out there, and they're nodding their head right now. No. Going, yeah, it just, it's being a kid. Murray, I have these uh, memories just fucking embedded in my mind. What, Are you I, dreading when your sweet little nieces and nephews turn into asshole teenagers? Oh, uh, you know what? I get to be this far away from them. You can just go take them away from me? So it'll be like I don't have to deal with the bulk of it. I might... I might be able to offer, you know, some outside advice to them and then just fuck off. So that'll be interesting. But we'll see when we get there. But I do remember these because when I was in high school, when I was in junior high, I didn't give a shit about getting good grades. And I got talked to all the time yeah. about it. And I felt bad about it. But at the same time, I didn't feel bad about it. And I would come up with shit that sounded exactly like this. This is good. <laughs> this is accurate. And then she just goes, the worst thing you can say to your parent. I hate you. I hate you. And the mom just walks out crying. She gets up, puts on the mayhem record, mm-hmm. whips out. It was like it looked like it was nail polish. She just started fucking drawing on her face. Yeah, at first it's like uh it's like um a Tetris piece. You know, the zigzag piece. Yeah, very I shame on the the editor of this scene because yes, it's very angular thing. She's doing her face, and then we cut cut back, and then there's like a fucking like three three or like you said a, a butt, butt a butt emoji or a W, and, and we're like what? And then she starts singing along in the mirror to this fucking hateful fucking music. Right? Maybe I'll play some of that. Should I play some? Why not? Let everyone know. Us who wrote this song? Was it Derby Crash? Was it Gigi Allen? Was it Mort Mortimer for who you know writes for Quincy? There, there, there's a lot of different suggestions out there, but anyways, we're cutting over back to Quince, and he's given the cause of death. His boss runs in. He's like, "All right," because this is a big story on the news. So yeah, like, it's already made the news. He's like, "What did he put on the death certificate?" And Quincy goes, "Cause of death, punk rock." He's even a mealy mouth about it. He's totally drinking the Kool-Aid. It was Emily. Yeah. Emily's the one who's like, he already put it in. It's in the newspapers. Don't you love how it's all of, she's, her whole rap is, this is like warping her mind. She's totally warping Quincy's mind. 100%. She's got the pussy fog on Quincy. She must be good in the sack. Even though she doesn't look like she is. He is like 80. Yeah. And she looks like she might be maybe in her late 40s, early 50s. I hope not. Ooh, God. She's late forties. I feel bad for her. She didn't look that. I was, I was gonna say sixty something. Really, Emily? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't think she looked that bad. I I wouldn't go near her. <laughs> okay. As someone in their late forties, I'd be like, no, you're too you're too old for me. Okay. So yeah, he's just like he's he. Could, I mean, he's in the fog. Let's face it. 
And he's he realized he's gonna get called out for being pussy whipped by his boss. So he's like he's trying to play um, the middleman. He's like, uh, don't don't say anything. Let me read you the lyrics here. And he reads them off some of the lyrics. Uh it's too cool to live. I want to die. Come and work for me, my man. If you are the man, I'll fucking put a bullet in your brain. I immediately want to murder somebody now. Yeah, exactly. He's like, look, man, Robert Austin, my boss. I believe punk rock was the fucking gun. Oh, punk rock was the bullet that was put in the gun that is Zach's life. Yeah. All right. So he's just like the guy. He, he doesn't care. He's like, I just don't like bad publicity. This is yeah. making LAPD look bad. Yes, we are beating the shit out of punk kids and black people, but this is making us look bad. We're not solving this punk case. Exactly. You better be able to explain it. And from what I hear, all the TV TV stations want to get you on for a fucking All interview. these tabloid shows who are sensationalizing it. And Emily pops up. Yes, they do. They want to get you on their stations. I got Adrian Mercer is actually doing a show about punk rock tomorrow. Quince, you gotta be there. I don't I don't wanna you know I get upset about shit. And if I lose my mind, you better calm me down. I'll be on this show with you. I'll grab your elbow to tell to tell you to calm down. And then we get a little gag where a guy goes, Hey Quince, here's the thing you wanted. I wanted this four days ago. And then she grabs his fucking elbow. He's like, Oh, yeah, that's fine. Thank you very much. Mm. All right. Cute. Now we're at the Adrian Mercer show. He's obviously trying to be like a Phil Donahue. They used to have, they did. I remember shows like this. Exact, but they would have punk kids on the panel. When you told me that we were going to do this for a tippy tap, I was like thinking we were watching this type of thing. I thought we were watching a full on interview <laughs> we show. We could do that, but yeah. I, I think we should at some point. I think it would be fun. Well, we're running out of a Satanic Panic and punk rock episodes. So, yeah. Maybe. You don't know. So, I don't think you know. So uh, Emily, she's on there, and we got we got Fly Fester, who's the lead singer of Mayhem. We have yes. Skip on the panel. Why was Skip there? I don't know. And we got Skip's S- really a nobody in this <laughs> yes. scene. He and, owns his own apartment, though. Yes, he does. So he must have a job, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, or he's a panhandler. Who knows? And so we and we got Quincy and Emily, and we got the host and. Did you say uh, Abigail's mom? Abigail's mom, you're right. And for some reason, Abigail's not on the fucking panel. She's she's in the audience. She's in the crowd with the punkers. Keeping it real. Keeping it real tight. And I'll give it up to Adrian Mercer, much like Quince in the beginning episode. He's like, isn't this been going on for time immemorial? Like, little teenagers lash out. That's what they do. You know, and then... Emily, yeah, but this is different because these messages are all about negativity, but there's nothing positive about punk rock. It's all negativity, and it just fucking sucks. Right, and, you know, of course, someone's got to step up, and I don't – do you remember who stepped up? Did they immediately call it the Abigail? Abigail? No, then because then Fly Fester, he's got got all his lines slapped. Look, man, I didn't ask to be born into this society. You are the problem. Right, he doesn't get into his full speech at this point, but he he starts yeah. like just pushing back on them, just trying to tell them like, no, 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 this is still repression. Like, even if you feel like it's different from what you did, it's just what we're doing. Adrian's like, uh, Susan, your daughter is being corrupted by punk rock. Can you please tell your story? And she's like, I don't get it. She was my sweet little ballerina, and she got straight A's, 
and and I don't know what this evil of punk rock. Where, where is, is your daughter here? She's in the third row. She just so happens to be right there in the third row. Abigail, can you please come up? Come to the mic. They have a mic set out in the audience. She gets up there. Adrian, your mom has uh, said that you are some kind of monster now, that you are listening to this punk rock music, and that she hasn't earned it? Could you explain yourself? Look, I just want to fight boredom. I'm bored. That's it. Okay? I really don't know how to express my... Like, I don't know what I'm feeling at this point. Quincy, could you help us out, maybe? Quincy is like... Look, this music is overtly violent. It's, it's designed to push buttons and rile people up. That's when Fly busts in. Look, man! We're just putting a mirror up to your faces! Murray, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Well, let Fly speak for himself, though, here. Because it's just too much. And also, you give a little too much like bass to his voice. Yeah. And you really need to know how Jello Biafra this man really is. He's not that... that Weird of a jello, but he's a jello. Powerful thing. Nothing galvanizes the emotions as quickly. You wrote the lyrics in question, Fly. Do you take issue with any of this? Hell yes. You know why you people can't stomach our songs? Because they're a mirror, dig? Our music's ugly and violent because that's what's outside my window when I wake up. The world's ugly. The world's violent. All we do is rub your noses in it. You don't like what you see. Well, don't lay it on us. You're right about one thing. There is too much ugliness and violence out there. But if we took your advice, we'd never overcome it. All you want us to do is throw up our hands and give up. Who got us where we are today? It was your generation. Now you people have your finger on the button, ready to blow the whole joint to bits, and you're telling us to cool it? You know, not so many years ago, there was a generation of young people who were as mad as you are about the world. Only they worked their tails off to change it. Trying to end a war they didn't believe in. Trying to correct injustices that they saw. But all you do is gripe. Has it ever occurred to you to do something else with your anger besides vending it? You're the ones who loused everything up. And you expect us to pick up the pieces. If not you, then who? I don't know. Any, uh, volunteers out there? Not me, man! (laughs) Yeah, and then, uh, then Skip comes in. And he's just like, yeah, we didn't ask to be born. Like, we're in this fucked up world that you created. And then Quince is like, you know, there was a generation before you. They were called baby boomers. And they solved all their problems with peace, love, and understanding. All we did, the baby boomers, is work hard. Well, Quincy's not a baby boomer. He's like fucking 60 at this time. Yeah, right. What generation? The he's, lost? Yeah, he's like the lost generation. Yeah, he's lost like, generation. I mean, I'm sure Jack Klugman probably fought in World War II. Right. All we did is put everything together after everything fell apart. And Well, no, that was the thing. Because then Skip goes, oh, so you blow up the world and we have to pick up the pieces. Yeah, you kind of do. That's like Quince's like comeback. What the fuck is that comeback? <laughs> because like, they're trying to like like we have this misunderstanding in a lot of like the generations today, where it's like, well, you guys are fucking pulling all the levers. Like, go look at Congress right now today. There's fucking nine year olds in it. Well, it's also because young people don't vote, so it's it's a that is know. a good point. And they there is and they don't run, which I understand because I wouldn't want to run for fucking. Why would you want to run for any office right now? If you're a fucking narcissistic megalomaniac, that's we the just reason why. had a fucking guy go out and shooting, uh, you know, state senators and everything. 
Why would you want to fucking run for an well, office? I don't know if that's the thing to be scared of. It's just like, why would you want? I, I couldn't deal with the children that are in Congress now. Like, Mar- you imagine having to deal with Marjorie Taylor Greene? Yeah, I'm thinking of it at a state level, even at a federal level, a national level. That's even uh, fucking scarier. Because, yeah. yeah, you get these hyper crazy people. These people who are voted in just to be trolls. Exactly. They don't want to fucking. They don't, they, first of all, they don't know how to govern. Right. But they don't want to, even if they knew. Right. And she's part of. Huge house committees now. So that's that's that's, that's Griffin us, sh- sh- Griffin me showing how punk rock we are. Exactly. Because look, man, this is a sick society we're living in, and I don't want nothing to do with it. Because we're gonna just die in a nuclear war. Which that was a very people don't remember. That was a g- real genuine fear we had. That is true. I was a kid. I was scared. Like, cause it was, cause he hammered you with it. Like you're gonna fucking die in a nuclear war. That is true. And every band had at least one song, no matter who they were, about dying in a nuclear war. <laughs> and people also used to fear that Andre the Giant would snap Hulk Hogan's neck, but that fear has also gone away. But there is one dad who pipes up. No, listen here. If I ever had a son like you, I'd put him over my knee and whip him till he's raw and fly. Always with the perfect comebacks. Well, if I had a dad like you, I'd do the same thing. <laughs> Was that Red Brown? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bitch. Shit. Then a mom comes out and goes, I don't understand. What is so red hot about punk rock? She literally said, what is so red hot about punk rock? I like this. And she's not even talking like our friend Sean into the microphone. <laughs> what is so red hot about punk rocks? And it's like, you're a beautiful girl, Abigail. These people look like losers. Why do you want to be with them? And she's like, because they accept me for who I am. And that ends the show. No, Emily jumps up. And then she's got to give her screech. Like, all I know is the the fucking country's going out of hell in a handbasket because like punk rock. We need to stop this. And, and fucking Quincy's grabbing her elbow. That was a signal to cool the shit out. She's like, get off my fucking arm, Quince. Get the fuck off my goddamn arm. Do and- you want to wind up like Zach? And then Abby chillingly just goes, at least he's free. Cut to Quince. He's got Frank Monahan. Yeah, the police captain, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I watched I know. the he show. Just, he just gets crammed into this. Griff's IMDb skills on this episode are all <laughs> over the place because it's so hard to figure out these serialized TV they shows. They found the murder weapon. It is an ice pick. But the problem is there's three prints on this ice pick. This always happened back in the day before we had super evidence like we have now. And so, and they're like, and, and not only that, there's a print on top of a print. Right. And how are they ever going to get the punks to go along with this? Yeah, because Quincy's like, well, let's just fingerprint every kid was at that show. No, and the punks will never go for that. Well, no, the captain's like, that's kind of fucking illegal. We can't do that. Yeah. I, we should be able to do that. We should be able to do whatever we want. Right. Stop crying. Stop and frisk. And then Quincy's like, how can we blackmail the club owner and doing it for us? Well, is there any way we could blackmail the club <laughs> we could close them down you could harass them take away their liquor license that's all they need to know because Qu- cut and quincy's like that's brilliant yes and we literally don't get any idea between there it's just blackmail the club 
Well, no, he's like, we're, yeah, we're going to make the club, force the club to fingerprint people for admittance. Exactly. They say, we're going to blackmail the club. Cut. And then they cut back to Quincy with fingerprints. Yeah, it worked. It worked. We don't know how, but Quincy does say, hey, it worked. We got all the fingerprints. Right. Well, we got 42 minutes. Got it's good. We got yeah. 42 minutes. Exactly. Yeah, it isn't like going to theater where we can go on for fucking three hours. Well, we need to educate yeah, people. We do. It's, not, it's court ordered. This is Everyone knows about Harpo's now. Yeah, exactly. They can't wait to go. <laughs> I don't think they even have shows anymore. Hey, Murray, can I, uh, can I have you remind people, what did metalheads wear for facial hair? For facial hair? Yeah. I don't know. What did they and wear? what did punks wear for facial hair? I don't know what you're talking about. Mustaches versus oh. beads. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mustaches for speed? Tom Araya? Come on. Oh, no, 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 no. That, yeah, that was the great war of the... the, the <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know what, Griff? Just put Tom Araya saying it in right in this moment right here. Make this episode even a little longer. Okay. Skinheads, shortheads, do not get along with the metalheads. There's only one kind of music in this world, and that is fast, hard. And whether you have short hair, long hair, mustache, beard, leather and jeans, suit and tie, no matter. We are all here together to fight till death. All right, so Quincy has... The prince, and lo and behold, one of them matches Abigail. But we're like, no fucking way would Abigail stab the love of her life. Even Quincy's suspicious of it. Exactly. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But they still, that's the only print they have that they know like it matches anybody. Yeah, Meanwhile, got- there's, there's two other prints. One is Zach's, and the other one's this mysterious one they have not located yet. And technology has not caught up. Right. This isn't fucking CSI Miami, people. Right. So they go, I guess we got to arrest Abigail because her print's on it. So they wrote her her place. Yeah. And she's not there. Her mom says she's been missing. She's pretty cool for her daughter being missing for like, you know, all the time. Ten hours a day. Every day. She's working. You think they would say 16 to make it really seem like she's doing double shifts. That would be rough. Two hours more than the average work day. I mean, I don't want to do it. But it's not. Well, you got to think about that. How far away is this restaurant? I don't you know. You don't know. And she owns it. She has is to she wake the head up? chef or did she just own it? Exactly. She she's just to... doing maintenance. Like, she's not. She's the classic. Regardless. People, people she... on the top who really aren't doing anything. They're just delegating. Hey, if she's there at least for 10 hours a day, I would be impressed. It's not as impressive as the people doing the real fucking work, but at least she would be there. Anyway. We know who's not there. Abigail, why? Because she's at the Skip's crash pad. She's waking up from an 18-hour teenage nap. Lewd nap. Oh, it's a lewd nap? Well, yeah, because she keeps because Molly keeps force-feeding her lewds. Right. So, she, it was very it's very like like this is almost like a like a art like thing going on. They got they, well, have, a, punk. they have they have a fucking Murray Murray, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said it right there. Punk said on the Artie Marchair show. <laughs> Adrian Mercer. Show, we're a punk movement. That's what we're all about. So, of course. And they also said we're artists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, of course, his apartment reflects being an artist. There's a, there's a tub in the middle of the room, which apparently is common in 80s apartments because I saw a Wings Hauser movie where there was a tub right in the middle and we got to see Wings Wang. 
And but this is even more interesting because they made the tub is cut out to make it look like a couch. Mm-hmm. So they cut the side out and they got like some padding in there, and that's what uh, Abigail's like laid out on. So she's waking up. She's groggy as all hell. And, of course, Molly just comes over to her aid. Oh, my God, you look so groggy. I got some pills that will really help you Here, with that. take that. And Abigail is just fixated on her arm. She's got this crazy welt that rash, she calls a rash. Right? Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck is this? I got to go to a doctor. And then uh, I think uh, Skip shows up with some tofu and rice. Well, Skip, yeah, Skip is back in there and everything. He's like, hey. I can I can feed everybody. Molly's doing the most punk rock thing you could be doing a jigsaw puzzle on the floor, <laughs> and uh, she's like you said she's pushing the lewds on uh, uh, Abigail. Abigail and Skip is like, hey, I got the paper too. Cops are looking for you, Abby. You got to hide out. And she's like, look, I didn't kill anybody. I'm just gonna call the cops and like. And then Molly's like, the fuck you are. We're helping you. All right, we're in trouble now. We're sticking our necks out for you, aiding a fugitive. And she's like, all right, then I'll just call my my therapist, Emily. She'll listen. Emily knows nothing about punk rock. (laughs) She hasn't earned it. And she's like, all she's going to do is make you sign a confession. You can't trust anybody but us. Because, of course, if you sign a confession... You'll have to admit. And she's like, admit what? Abigail. Are you doing King Diamond now? Yes. Okay. I want to tell you something. That night, you did it. You saw him on the ground, ice pick at his feet, and you picked it up. And you went to him. And you did it. But she was too high to remember. You just don't remember because of the lewds. <laughs> it's a very lewd reading of that. Thank you, Murray. Um, all right, so she's not going anywhere. Quince is like, he's pouring over those prints. He's like, I got to find this mysterious print. How the fuck do I match them? The human eye cannot match this, Murray. Robert goes, you remember that computer expo I was at? I met a guy named Justice. He was great. Justice, I swear, this motherfucker would fucking jerk off into a thermos, eat hot dogs off the top of his desk, but he is a thumbprint whiz. And I talked to a a computer company called Comtal, and they got shit you wouldn't fucking believe. Space age level shit. Let's go over there and see what they can do. Are you sure they can help us? I'm positive. All we have to do is supply them with some interactive pornography. So we meet random nerd at his computer. In a closet. Classic nerd just lording it. Every time any nerd's got something over you, they got to lord it over you. Uh, what are the three questions? What are the three questions? We are the knights who say, nee. Uh, I it's all Monty Python I jokes. I apologize for it, that. Lo- no, you don't have to apologize. I'm yeah. sorry that all nerds were obsessed with Monty Python. <laughs> it's true. That's why I apologize. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's good. Let's calm down with it. It's like Rick and Morty. Calm down with it. Would we have not liked Monty Python? Well, maybe you don't like Monty Python. I don't like Monty Python. Okay. I like Monty Python because I was so far away from all of it. I got to experience it on my own. I think it's funny. I don't. So... Uh, this computer guy is like, I, he's like, you know, 
we this wasn't even possible this morning. What I'm gonna do right now? This morning, it was literally <laughs> an hour ago. We got the update <laughs> on our contrails. Click, 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 and they're like, "Oh my god!" So we got the two fucking prints, the layered prints on the thing. Watch this. He does the he does the Milo move. Pushes one button. Yep. It separates. Another thumbprint or fingerprint comes in. Here's what I hated about this. Quincy immediately goes, that's my print. He knows the print. Yes, he, well, he's been going over it for days. We don't know how long the show's, at least 18 hours. So Quincy has a photographic memory. A boy becomes a prince, yeah. A boy becomes a prince. And so the guy's like. Oh, my God. No, I hate that. Let's slow that down. You just said a boy becomes a prince. I, no, I did not. I said when it comes to prince. Oh, when it comes to prince. Yeah, I don't know what you're hearing. I thought that was an old saying, like when a boy <laughs> becomes a prince. Yes. And I thought an that was saying. a play on. You know it was from? It was from uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail. <laughs> and I thought it was a play on when a boy becomes a prince. With the T-S instead of a C-E. I thought you fucked me hard uh, there. You know what? Now I apologize for Griff. Yeah, no, you can apologize. All right, so we know we we learned that Abigail's print is one of the prints, but it is underneath. It was the bottom print. So somebody had put a print over it. That's the killer. Bullshit. Why is, why is that like an open and shut case? Because there's a print on top of her one print. Well, Murray, it's like when you do the thing with the baseball bat. I know. I, I forget what that's called. And then the top hand. The top hand is the killer. So that is the killer. We need to find out who this mysterious print belongs to. Abby, of course, at this point, she is fucking done with Molly's bullshit. She recognized that ginger asshole for what she is. She's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to get myself Don't some trust help. ginger. I got to get myself some fucking help. She goes to the hospital. She's trying to check herself in. I don't have a name. I don't have a place. I don't have a distance. Because, of course, we're in America. And you don't want to be stuck with a huge hospital bill. Because, of course, they would charge her $45,000 for aspirin. Right. So, she... You know, the very kindly Dr. Griffin, by the way. Yes, that's me. I'm looking that good back in the 70s, before 80s, before I even existed. Uh, he's like, wow, that is a fucked up rash. You even wrote Dr. Griffin there. You want to make sure I got in there. Uh, I did not write that. that was you. you definitely did. I did you not. wanted to get my name on there. I did not. I did not and write so, Dr. Griff. And so, that was you. And so he, yeah, you, you did. Yeah, and yeah. so he's, he's like, oh man, that really is fucked up. We'll get someone to you right away, but you do need to fill out this paperwork. Go ahead and sit down right over there. She goes and sits down. Some a, a cop walks in with the perp. Yeah, and she, and she's like, oh shit. She locks eyes with the cop. Right. He doesn't know anything, and he walks away. But Dr. Griff's reading His hands the paper. are tied, after He's all. reading the paper, and he sees the story. Punk rock maniac kills punk rock maniac. So he looks back up to see the girl he just checked in. And by the time the cop walks away with his perp, she's already gone. Yeah, it's like the movies where like a bus goes across the street, and then you disappear behind it. So... After informing Quince and counselor uh, Emily, Emily that Abby, uh, you know, she... She is, had this fucking nasty rash. Yeah, she went straight to the cops or Quincy. Quincy. Why would they go to Quincy? Because he's, he's on this case. Right. They all know <laughs> Abigail. That's why. Why is Emily there? She's not even working for the cops. Of course. And the guy, and he's like, yeah, this obviously was an allergic reaction. Her, Dr. Her, Griff. Her rash. And then, apparently, I 
maybe fucking Emily's been plying Abigail with drugs to keep her sedated. She's like, I know she's a, she's allergic to codeine. So she's been plying her with codeine. Maybe, just maybe, hear me out. She, this perpetrator, we don't know this killer. Oh, they, they do find out that it was Molly because I forget why. Because she, I know Molly's missing from her apartment because they were looking for, because she knows. Emily knew that, uh, Molly and Abigail were friends. Best friends. Yeah. And so when they were looking for Abigail when she went missing, where where we saw that she appeared at Skip's place, she went to Molly's, but Molly was no longer at her own place. And that's where we learned that Molly was trying to get out of their place and spills the whole beans on everything. And we find out that that print belongs to Molly, that mysterious print that was on the ice pick. No fucking way. She's clearly... I mean, especially with the coding. We saw it earlier in the episode when Abigail first showed up to the club and Molly was pushing drugs on her. She says, is there coding on that? I can't take coding. Yeah, yeah. That's great foreshadowing. That's great foreshadowing. And they're like, Quincy's like, we got to find them. We, who knows? Like, it could be the next pill could be the one that kills her. The only chance we have is to go back to the club. No, we can't go back to the club. We're too old. They won't allow us there. Quincy's like, look, I got this really cool velour sweater that the kids are going to love. That'll get through to them. So he goes to the club. He asks the club owner, look, I need to get through to the kids. I need to talk to them. Can you just let me up? on? I know ma'am's up doing their fifth show this night. Can I go talk to them? He's like, I don't fuck. Do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Just don't take my liquor license away again. Please uh, help us out real quick. We haven't gone long enough. Um, What does the club owner look like? Generic Italian guy, I guess. Just old dude. Yeah. Doesn't look like a punker. But that's yeah, well like like punkers are fucking smart enough to keep a business going. Come on. So all these clubs were owned by old guys. Oh, let's talk about you talking about going to see Exploited at St. Yeah. Uh Andrews. St. Andrews, yeah. Mir, he owned the club. Mir. You knew him. I knew of, of him. him. Of, him. of yeah. him. I would see him walking around with young boys for some reason that were always around him. I don't, I'm not making any judgment calls or Just any accusations. He always had young, twinkish-looking boys with him. But you saw the owner of the venue you went to for shows. Not all the time, but I would see him. Because he owned also, I believe, I might be wrong about he owned the State Theater, too, which is a big club. Big. But, yeah. It's crazy. I saw, like... Uh, you probably have, too. You just don't know who the fuck these people are. It's know? true. Yeah. Uh, I went to L Club. Have you ever gone there, no, man? No, I've never been to L Club. It's a good venue. It is a good venue. Um, I went there the one time and uh, I think I was there with Dave and we were hanging out. He smoked. So we went outside to have a cigarette with him and somebody was like, oh yeah, that's the owner of L club. And it's the only time I've seen the owner of a venue. So <laughs> that blew your mind. <laughs> like, it was just oh weird. No, and, no. And what did it look like? Was it an old man? Yeah, no, it was, it uh. was like, not what you would expect. I thought oh. it might be like. I thought it might be like someone like you. <laughs> no. Like a cool, you know, guy who used to go see a lot of shows in his no. youth or something. Like, it, like most punks, I'm too much of an idiot to ever run a business like that. So, so uh, okay, let's finish this fucker. So oh, he's yeah. like, Quincy's like, let me talk to the kids. So he gets on stage. He grabs. They, there was a nice. I, I I liked the cop car door that was hanging on the wall. That was good. That's good luck. And then we had the mannequin hand that was holding the mic. That was a nice thing. I like it. Very artistic. And he grabs the, the mannequin punks hand. Are artistic. And he's like, "Is this thing on, people? People, 
punk rock people, please listen to me. We are looking for Abigail LaFay, who we now know is fresh for death on the 7th day of July, 1777. Can you help me? And then he just met with attitude, man. Nothing. Punk rocket. This kid's like, Nothing. you're the killer, man. You and your sick society. Society. And then there's a kid who's like, apparently he's a big Misfit fan because he's got the Crimson Ghost makeup on. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, man, trick or treat. you know. And then he's just like, fuck, I can't get through to these kids. I got to tell you, bro, I don't know what you'd expect out of us. I don't care if she was here or she was not. She's welcome here. She's welcome not. I got to tell you, though. Dickity dock, hickory hock. Get the fuck out of this flock. You're gone. We don't give a shit. So a dejected Quincy walks off stage, but one person did get he did get through to, and that person, Skip. Yep. So Skip is... Oh, we go back to... Uh, the Molly's place. Skip's place. Actually, Molly's just crashing there. Yeah, Skip's. Uh, and she's yeah. like, Happy the pills, the ludes, the ludes. The ludes are calling you. Molly, by the or Abigail at this point, by the way, looking like a complete suburban girl. Yeah. Frizzy hair. Like, she's got the Does 80s, it? like, no shoulder, like, sweatshirt on. And then she's got, like, a fucking... Uh, uh, Midnight Express. No, not <laughs> Ro- uh, Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> handkerchief in her hair. She's a she's a got classic. rid of that punk rock eye makeup where it's just like two lines on the end. Yeah, splaying out or whatever. Yeah, and, and she's just like completely in her senses at this point, and she's right. doing the puzzle. Even though she's fucking eyes, fucking codeine. But she's still refusing the uh, codeine. I, why didn't she just give her some of that? Uh, what's it called? Sizzle or slurp? Whatever the fuck. The, because that's codeine. It's like the cough God syrup. damn it. Lean. <laughs> lean. lean. Yeah. That's what Molly keeps pushing on her. Lean. If only it were lean, it would probably work better. <laughs> so Mo- uh, Abigail is refusing it. She's like, I really just don't know this rat. And Molly pipes up. Look, woman. The codeine. I mean, the, the pills here are what help the rash go away. You need to take the pills. And... uh, Abigail's trying to do the puzzle. She slaps the puzzle piece out of her hand. You need to focus. We're going up north. Skip. We got the clearance. We're going up north tonight. We're not staying with you anymore. We're getting out of here because Molly, or excuse me, God damn it, Abigail needs to lay low. Finally, Skip's had enough. Finally found his conscience. Finally found it. It was after Quinn heard him. Yeah. Quinn says that uh, 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 Abigail's allergic to codeine. We need to stop this. You're killing her, man. Please stop killing her. And this, we, this is the Columbo moment where we have Molly finally spill her guts. Well, it takes uh, for Abigail getting that pill bottle. And then she turns it for the camera, and it just has Cody on the bottle. <laughs> and then Molly, for your consideration scene for Emmys, fucking kills it. She's just like, okay, I did it. But the music, I think, like, this is where I was really disappointed. Like, like, this is I, bad. It's like, this is okay, awful. so it's true. Like, if she, if it had come out like Zach owed her a shitload of money, because obviously she's a drug dealer. 
and she's like, fuck that guy, I'm going to kill him because he owes me a shitload of money, it would make sense. No, literally the punk rock music did cause Molly yeah. to kill Zach. This is where Quincy really bailed. Yeah. Like, they didn't try to make it a human story, they tried to make it a punk rock story. And despite every... Fu- like, guys, go look at the music and everything. It's All the comments are from at least eight years ago. And so you need a new updated version of it. And it's like, you know what? There's- you know what? I hope we get that kind of, kind of conversation. We put this episode on our YouTube. That's right. We won't. We won't get any. Yeah. But we yeah. definitely should be. We might get, hey, where's the episode? We'll get a lot of that. Oh yeah, where is this episode? And we find go it's free, free with, everywhere without any problem. <laughs> yeah. Please Google, yes. please Google. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, here we are with Molly just confessing her little bones out, and but her fucking excuse is terrible. The music got me. I didn't know when to do. I'm so sorry. I was high on the quaaludes. This, well, in her defense, the song was called "Stab Your Friend with an Ice Pick." Yeah, it was. So, stab, stab, stab you with an ice pick. All right, so that's it. We never see Molly again. Maybe she got away with it. We don't. Maybe she went up north. We don't know because all we know is that Abigail finally returns home. Abigail, and she's just like, "Mom, you were right. I'm back." She looks totally normal, brash, gone. She's a beautiful suburban princess again. Yeah, she's just into the Rock and Roll Express now. She fucking. Just breaks the fucking mayhem record across her knee. Right. Mom, that could have been me. I, I could have killed Zach. No, you couldn't. You're a perfect white girl. You're not a loser. You're not a ginger. (laughs) Are you saying gingers are murderers? Well, I'm not. Uh, Her mom is. Susan is. Susan is. Okay, and then it ends with uh, Quincy and Emily at his favorite place, Vinny's. And they're chomping down on some of those uh, vermicelli quesadillas. Quincy is, I mean, I, maybe this is because he closed the case that he has the fucking restaurant to himself. He's just like, put on that Glenn Miller. I got to dance with my lady love. So he picks up Emily. Sir, can you please leave? I haven't bent my bitch over a table yet. Put on our favorite song. And then they put they do the spotlight dance on him. And then That's he's right. like, he's like, I just don't get these kids nowadays. Why listen to music that makes you hate when you can listen to music that makes you love? Murray, our punk rock friend here tonight. Why? You never talk about music of love. You always talk about music of hate. You're right. I do. That's just how, I don't know. That's how I roll. Got nothing. No answers. We're not giving you answers at the end of this episode. No. We're giving you questions. Think about this, everybody. Why do we listen to songs of hate? You get back. Give us a uh, comments on this on our YouTube. Why do we listen to music? That if only, hate? if only people would give us, you know, some <laughs> real philosophical. We no, could have them we on. We could talk about them on a whole fucking tippy, tippy, tippy tap where we yeah. talked about But you know why? Them. Because they don't want to be on a three-hour episode like we just did by ourselves. That's right. We just did a fucking three-hour tippy tap by ourselves on a very homey episode. This is a very Detroit episode. It's a good time. All right. Well, see us out, Griff. You know, we do these tippy taps. We cut to our fucking bone on them. And you know what? It hurts. We can't always cut to the bone. So until the next time we're willing to, 
give you our flesh. I'm listening. No! 